Uh, if you turn your Bible to Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, we'll be looking at today. What a beautiful day. So we're going to be reading Mark chapter 7, 31 uh, to 37, and then we're going to be uh, switching over to chapter 8 and uh, be, re- be reading 22 to 26. So chapter 7, verse 31, Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epatha, that is, be opened. And his eyes were opened, and his tongue was released, and he opened plain, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And switching over to chapter 8, verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked, or I'm sorry, chapter 22, or verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him, home to his, to his, he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. So we're looking at these two different passages today, and there's a little, some verses in, in between these verses, um, and we kind of touched on those verses last week in the message we looked at, and I've kind of put these together because of the similar subject matter that they deal with. And as we look at these two passages, I'd like to look at them on kind of two different levels. The first level, kind of uh, the plain sense of the passage. We're going to look at just kind of what it means, what happened. And then we're going to kind of look at what this could symbolize and what it could mean for our everyday lives. So the first level, what it means, what happens. Jesus heals these two men. He heals a man who was blind, a man who was deaf and mute. And the way that he heals these people is very strange. Uh, for the man who is deaf, uh, he puts, the, puts his fingers in his ears. He's mute, so he spits into his mouth. We don't know if he spit directly into his mouth or he spit on his hand and then touched his mouth. And then for the person who is blind, he spits in his eyes. It's kind of a strange way of healing uh, these people. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I've done a lot of research uh, this week on this passage. um, And I can't really find for sure why he does this. We don't know exactly why he does it in this way. But there's a few things we can say about it. the first thing is, this was a practice that was done in the ancient world. A number of ancient healers or miracle workers uh, would put saliva on someone because they believed they had healing properties. So why exactly Jesus takes up this practice, we're not really sure. There's a possibility that he's kind of 
symbolize in communion. It's kind of a precursor to communion. Just like in communion, we're going to eat the bread, drink the cup, and it's kind of a symbol of our dependence upon Christ. Perhaps Jesus is kind of putting this symbol forward that these people are dependent upon him for their healing. So that's a possibility. But something else also needs to be said. Jesus heals people in many different ways. He heals sometimes by touching someone, by speaking. Sometimes the person is present. Sometimes the person is a distance off. Sometimes he heals in a way like in these passages. One scholar said that he never heals the same way twice. Now, the reason he might do this is that ancient miracle workers would often be very dependent upon strict, following strict rituals. In other words, they would have to make up this concoction of one part this, one part that, put it all together in exact proportions. Then they would have to read in an exact spell. And then if they did everything completely right, then maybe their spell would work. But Jesus is different. He heals in different ways, perhaps showing that it's not the words, it's not the actions. He's the only thing that binds it together. He's the only constant in all these healings. So he does it in many different ways. And we see that he heals these two men, the man who's born or who's deaf and mute, man who's blind. And we see that in doing this, he's fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 35, the word actually for uh, mute, magalos, only appears other one time in Scripture, and that time is in Isaiah chapter 35. So we see that these, this passage is uh, a fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah 35 where restoration would come and uh, the day of the Lord would come. In Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 to 6, it says, Then the eyes of the blind man shall be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. So that's kind of the surface story. He heals these men. It's a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 35. He's proving himself to be the Messiah, proving himself to be bringing in the coming day of the Lord. So that's kind of the surface level. But I think there could be a deeper level. Perhaps this story, or these two stories, symbolize a spiritual truth that's much deeper. Now these miracles are included in the Scripture with some detail, and if you read through the book of Mark and the other Gospels, sometimes there's detail that's given, and sometimes it will just say, He healed many people, and as many as came came to Him were healed. So sometimes there's kind of general statements, and sometimes there's uh, some specific application. So there has to be some reason why he included, why Mark included these particular miracles, why they're expounded upon. And perhaps these miracles today that we're looking at are pictures of what has to happen to people on a spiritual level. God loves to create pictures, take physical things in the world and ascribe to them spiritual truths. Marriage, for example. It's a institution that we observe, but it's also a picture of Christ's love for the church. Take baptism, dunking somebody in water, the symbol of dying with Christ and being raised, raised again to new life. Take the story of Jesus where he's on the Sermon on the Mount and he says, don't worry, even the, the flowers of the field, they're clothed better than Solomon. And if If I've clothed them better than Solomon, will I not also clothe you? So he kind of creates these pictures in the created world. 
And he ascribes spiritual significance to them. And I think that's maybe what's happening here. So many of the people that Jesus encounters in his ministry have problems with perception. They have problems hearing. They have problems seeing. They have problems speaking. Have you ever had a problem hearing before? There's a store, an old movie called Canadian Bacon. It was actually filmed partially in Niagara Falls starring John Candy. Um, and there, it's this kind of crazy story how, like, there's this arms dealer, and uh, he wants to make more money, so they kind of manufacture this war with Canada. It's a really strange story, uh, but these characters are in Canada, and they're driving down the road, and they're singing a song, and as they're singing the song, they realize they don't know the, all the words to the song, that at least they thought they knew more. So check out the clip. Maybe you've had that happen uh, yourself. I know it's happened to me before where, you know, maybe it's a song that we've sung in church before or I've heard on the radio a hundred times, and then I'll just start singing it and realize the only thing I know is the chorus. It's a problem of hearing. You've heard it a number of times, but you don't know it. You don't understand the lyrics. Maybe you've had problems with your sense of sight before. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, Stephanie's car got kind of swiped in the parking garage, uh, so it had some scratches on it. So I th- thought I'd go to the store and get some rubbing compound to try to get some of those scratches out. So I didn't really want to go to Walmart or a big store, so I just went up the street to Value to try to find it. Um, so I walked in, and the guy was pretty helpful who was there, and we went to the car section, looked through all these different products, couldn't find what I was looking for. So I was spending all this time looking through these products. And he says, well, you can go up to the auto store if you go down this way to Colvin uh, and just go down a little ways. It's, you know, over by Colvin. Uh, or there's another one over on the other side of Sheridan. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to this one on Colvin. So I'm driving towards this place, towards Colvin, and I didn't know exactly how to get here because I was on this other street. So I kind of went the wrong way and just kind of driving around and driving and driving and driving. Get to Colvin. I don't know where the auto store was. There was no auto store on Colvin. So I thought, okay, I'll turn around. I'll try to find the other one. So I turn around and I start heading the other direction. And I get to the point that was kind of roughly near where my house was, you know, a couple streets off. And then I realized the auto store was basically right around the corner from my house. And I'd passed by hundreds of times that passed it by. I had no idea that there was an auto parts store there. I'm sure you've probably had something similar happen to you. Or maybe you've had a problem with speaking. Uh, maybe sometimes you have this idea in your head. It sounds really good. And then you share it with somebody else. And when you're sharing with someone else, you realize it doesn't really make any sense. Sometimes we think by speaking, and we just kind of get it out, and it doesn't make any sense. So we have those problems sometimes with hearing, seeing, speaking. And the people that Jesus encountered had those problems with perception. They heard, but they didn't understand. They saw, but they didn't perceive. They spoke, but they lacked knowledge. That's just kind of the state of Jesus' ministry at this point. He's done a lot of miracles. He's taught a lot of teachings. But by and large, people don't get him. They don't understand what he's doing. Even his closest people, his disciples, 
They have problems hearing, seeing, and speaking. And I think these stories could be a picture of what it looks like to be blind, what it looks like to be deaf or mute. So this first story, the man, story of the man born blind or deaf, he's deaf and mute. When you think about this story and think about this man, he would have been profoundly isolated. He would have been profoundly isolated. Being a deaf or mute in our day and age would be incredibly difficult. But in that day and age, it would have been even more difficult. That was an oral culture. They didn't have books, at least not readily available. Uh, They didn't have television. Everything was by word of mouth. Conversation was paramount. I mean, imagine going to the synagogue, and that's where they went to hear God's Word. They didn't have copies of the Scripture. They would go to the synagogue. So imagine coming to church, you know, coming in and hearing, you know, Pat gets up to lead, and all you see is, you know, I get up to speak, and all you... It would be profoundly isolating. Or you think you, you go to a party, and everybody's laughing and having a good time. And you're just watching people's faces, watching their mouths move, but you have no idea what's going on. You ask them, you know, what's going on, and maybe they describe it to you. By the time they describe it to you, they move on to something else. Not being able to hear is an isolating experience. I think the same is true for our lives apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we can't hear from God. God speaks and all it's just like a mouth is moving. We read God's Word and it's just like an old book. We hear a message on God's Word and it means little to us. We try to pray. We try to speak. We try to talk about spiritual things. But we're lost. Not being able to hear, not being able to speak, it's not just about missing out on a perception. It's about missing out on a relationship. That's what this man was experiencing. He was missing out on a relationship with his loved ones. But then Jesus comes to him in his grace and he opens his ears. It says literally in the text that the chain of his tongue was loosed. And suddenly he was able to hear. Suddenly he was able to speak again. Suddenly his relationships were restored. Now he could commune with his friends, with his loved ones. And that's what Jesus does when he saves us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the ability to hear from Him. The ability to speak to Him. In short, it's a gift of a relationship with Him. So I think that's a picture that this first story creates about how God comes into a person's life and gives him or her the ability to hear and the ability to speak and ability to have a relationship with the God of the universe. And then there's this man born blind. He can speak, he can hear. But he can't see the beauty of the sunset. He can't see his loved one's faces. And he can't tell what's going on around him. He's completely dependent on other people to tell what's going on around him. Jesus spits on the eyes of this person who's blind and he says, do you see anything? And he says, and this person says, you can see people moving around, but these people are like trees, not like men. This is the only time in Scripture that we have kind of a two-stage miracle that He heals somebody, but it's kind of like an incomplete miracle. Now we can say, well, He was doing this spell and you know He wasn't powerful enough to do it. And we know that's not true because He's 
He's healed people before. He's even raised someone who was dead. I mean, he's done some pretty difficult things before. Because, so it wasn't his ability. That wasn't the case at all. But perhaps what he's doing is kind of creating a picture of what's going to happen to his disciples. See, Jesus' disciples, as we see just after this, we see that Jesus is going to ask uh, Peter, who do, who do this crowd say that I am? Who do you think that I am? He's going to confess that Jesus is the Christ. We'll look at that next week. Then Jesus is going to tell about his death and resurrection, and then he's going to appear in the transfiguration before a few of them. So he's revealing himself to them. And it's almost like their eyes are going to be open, but they're still going to see Jesus kind of blurry. They're not going to know completely what he's about until the time when he raises from the dead. At that point, they're going to see everything clearly. At that point, they're going to see that, yes, he was the Messiah. Yes, he was a king. But he had come to die for the sins of his people. So it's kind of a two-stage opening of their eyes that they'll be able to see partially that he is the Messiah, but they're not going to see fully. Apart from Christ, I think we're also like the man in the story, the blind man. We can't see what God is doing in the world. We can't discern spiritual things. We can't declare to the world the goodness of God because we can't see it. John chapter 3, verse 3 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless Christ comes into our life, we can't see the work of God in our lives, in the lives of the others, or in the world. See, believing in Jesus involves an entirely new way of seeing, hearing, and speaking. Entirely new way of seeing, hearing, and speaking. See, as believers in Jesus, we see the world differently than other people see the world. We see things that other people don't see. The world sees coincidences. We see answers to prayer. We see miracles. We hear things the world doesn't hear. The world hears an archaic, outdated book full of myths and inaccuracies. We hear the very words of God coming through the Scripture. We speak things the world cannot speak. The world speaks of a big bang, of randomness, of chance. But we sing the praises of a God who's saved us, who's brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light. We live in a different reality than the world lives in. Social groups, one thing that binds social groups together is common, are common ways of viewing the world. As believers in Jesus, we have a common way of viewing the world. We have a common way of seeing, a common way of hearing, a common way of speaking. Now maybe there's some people here who are still blind or are deaf spiritually. And today's the day that God would open your eyes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've come to church for years, but maybe you still are living in blindness. Maybe it's the days that you come, maybe today is the day that you come to know Christ, entering into a new way of knowing God. We can do that by turning from our sins and inviting Him into our lives by faith. But others of us, maybe we have been born again. Maybe we 
our senses have kind of been opened. Our perception has been uh, opened. But maybe our perception over the time has been kind of dulled. Maybe we've had the ability to hear from God, but maybe we haven't been doing a lot of listening. Maybe we can hear from God, but we don't take time to open His Word and read it. Maybe we have the ability to see spiritual things, but we're so focused on ourselves and the things of this world that we have no idea what God is doing around us. Remember the key. Remember the key. The key to all these miracles, and in turn the key to hearing, seeing, and speaking, is Jesus. He's the key. He's the one who makes the difference. And as we stay close to Him, we're able to see, hear, and understand. To speak the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Mark Buchanan, pastor, shares a story about how he went to the Maasai Mara in eastern Africa a couple of times. And uh, he describes this place as a place being uh, up there close to heaven because it's one of the greatest wildlife preserves in all the world. And uh, you can see all different types of animals, cheetah, gazelle, elephant, wildebeest, hippopotamus, hundreds of other animals there. But he describes the two different times he went there. And each time he went there, it was a little bit different. He says, the guides I had for the two trips could not have been more different from one another. The first guide, Stephen, made the trip a thing of joy and wonder and endless surprise. The second guide, William, almost ruined the trip entirely. He says the difference was one thing. Stephen paid attention. William didn't. Stephen had good eyes. William didn't. I don't mean the power and clarity of their organ of sight. I mean Stephen looked at the right thing at the right time with the right focus. And William didn't. Stephen was a Maasai man in his early 20s who grew up a few miles from the very ground we crossed together. The land was in his blood. Every hillock and grove and bend of river, he knew in his bones the personal histories of many of the animals we saw there. He had an intuition for finding animals that, at least to a suburban living white guy like me who thinks a squirrel is a major wildlife sighting, seemed supernatural. He would stop and gaze at something two kilometers in the distance. It looked to me like more grass and acacia, but he would drive toward it, maybe 300 yards away. I'd finally see what he saw, a mother rhino and its baby grazing in scrub brush, or a pride of lions sleeping beneath a tree, or a pair of cheetahs sunning themselves on a shelf of rock. William, on the other hand, was a coma man in his 50s who grew up, grew up in Nairobi. He couldn't see for looking, but he wasn't looking anyhow. He spent most of his time chatting on his CB with his friends. He just followed the crowd. Wherever the other vehicles congested, he went. We saw the animals, yes, but we saw them from within a swarm of dozens, sometimes hundreds of other sightseers, each jockeying for a better view. One time we were traveling alone from the pack. A herd of elephants grazed at the roadside mere feet away. William sailed past them because he didn't see them. William, we, re- we yelled. Elephants. Huh? Where? He says, I tell you about Stephen and William to tell you this. The kingdom of God is at hand. Pay attention. You could miss it entirely if you choose to look at the wrong thing. You could miss it entirely if you choose to look at the wrong thing. 
The key to seeing, hearing, speaking is looking to Jesus. When we look to Him, we see a reality that the world doesn't see. Jesus says of His disciples, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. We as believers in Christ get to see things, experience things, that the prophets long to see. The prophets long to look into. It says uh, that in the Scripture that even the angels long to look into the things that we get to see. What a blessing we have as believers. Believing in Jesus involves an entirely new way of seeing, hearing, and speaking. Let's pray. God, we thank You that as believers, You've brought us into a new reality. That You've allowed us to hear from You. That You've allowed us to speak to You. In short, that You've allowed us to have a relationship with You. We thank You that You've allowed us to see what You're doing in the world and even to be a part of that. God, I pray that we would look to You. That we would stay close to You. And that as we do that, the things of this world would grow strangely dim as the hymn says. God, I just pray that we would be close to You. That we would people, be people who see the world accurately. who are passionately in love with You. God, for anybody here who hasn't entered into a relationship with You, God, I pray that today would be the day that You open their eyes. That they would turn from their sins and invite You into their life by faith. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.